0: This is Lawyer to Lawyer with Jake Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi, two of the top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys, one from California and one from Massachusetts, squaring off on legal news and legal observations. Lawyer to Lawyer is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network.
1: Welcome to the Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could listen today to Lawyer to Lawyer. I'm Craig Williams from usually sunny Southern California, but pretty fiery today.
2: And this is Bob Ambrogi from Massachusetts, and uh, Craig, uh, we are uh, hopeful everything turns out well for you. We know you're close to the to the fires there. Uh, I, I write a blog called Law Sites, another blog called Media Law, and uh, also the Legal Blog Watch for Law.com.
1: And I write a blog called May It Please the Court. If you go on there, you'll understand uh, why Bob's saying that he hopes all's well for my house, because there's a fire right next to it. But today, Bob, we're going to be talking about the names Enron and Arthur Anderson, and you immediately think government probes and big trouble.
2: Uh, right. Uh, in order to avoid being investigated by the government or to be prepared uh, when they are, firms uh, need to prepare themselves in, in more ways than one uh, in, uh, in in the event the feds come knocking.
1: Well, when they do come knocking, our guest today has been both on both sides of those investigations, and he's giving us some advice to those who find themselves knee-deep in trouble and prepare for those who work within the walls of a company or a firm.
2: Uh, Roscoe C. Howard, Jr., who's a Washington-based partner with Troutman Stan- Sanders uh, and a formal federal prosecutor, uh, was, uh, was featured uh, in the Fulton County Daily Report last week uh, for a presentation he gave to the the Georgia chapter of the Association of Corporate Counsel. Uh, the the audience there, uh, by the sound of it, w- was captivated by the uh, remarks he delivered there. And uh, today on Lawyer to Lawyer, we're going to have an opportunity to hear uh, straight from him on some of the uh, on some of these topics.
1: With that, Bob, we're going to welcome Attorney Roscoe C. Howard Jr. to the program. He's a partner in the Washington D.C. office of Troutman Sanders LLP. He brings extensive litigation and special investigation experience to his firm. He focuses on corporate compliance and ethics issues, white-collar criminal matters, and complex litigation. He served as the US attorney for DC from 2001 to 2004, led the largest US attorney's office in the country. Previously served as a tenured full professor at the University of Kansas School of Law, where he taught from 94 through 2001. Attorney Howard also twice served as the associate independent counsel, most recent service under the Honorable Donald C. Smaltz, where he served as a prosecutor in the investigation of former Secretary of Agriculture A. Michael Espy. He's also served under the Honorable Arlen Adams as associate independent counsel in the investigation of the former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Samuel R. Pierce. Welcome to the show, Roscoe.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here.
1: So I guess the number one question is, how do you prepare for those sometimes surprise visits from the government agents? Or maybe they aren't too surprising.
3: Well, uh, you know, most of the time they are. I think most corporations try to do the right thing. They are good citizens, good corporate citizens. Um, But even the corporations that view themselves as good corporate citizens and want to be good corporate citizens and actually work at being good corporate citizens just need to prepare you. Um, Probably the easiest thing to do is just training it is reminding your employees and your staff on a regular basis of um, you know what their rights are if someone to come were to come to uh, to knock on their door uh, what it is they can and cannot do what is it is they uh, can and cannot say
2: one of the things that surprised me about this uh, at least the account of your speech from the Fulton County daily report uh, that you gave last week uh, is that uh, you seem to suggest that um, there is no clear red flag uh for a company as to when it might be investigated and uh uh as they as they say in in the in, the, in this article, it says a prosecutor reads a story in the newspaper and, and might just decide to, let's see what's going on with that company. I mean, is it really that way? And, and how can a company at least know whether it's going to be subject to an investigation?
3: Well, I mean, for the most part you won't. Um, I think it is really that way. Uh, the prosecutors are, are really no better than the information that's floating out there to most of us. They, they do read the paper. Uh, they depend on folks whispering in their ears. I mean, we call them whistleblowers. Um, you hear other terms for them, but, you know, your employees sometimes will see something that's wrong in a company and will make a call to, um, a prosecutor's office, uh, to the FBI, to the local police, um, you know, catching something in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, somebody will take a look and say, what the heck is this about? Uh, they'll mention it to a prosecutor. But, um, my point really to the, um, audience was that it's really uh, just random. I don't think they, you know, that any prosecutor... Uh, turns around and says, I think uh, I'll take a look at the Acme company today. Usually there's something that uh, tickles it. Sometimes they're they're off base. Uh, Sometimes uh, the information is wrong. Uh, Prosecutors also try to evaluate where the information is coming from. Uh, You'll have whistleblowers that have an ax to grind. Uh, You're trying to uh, get through that. But for the most part, when the prosecutor knocks, it's because somebody has uh, uh, caught their attention somehow, and they're just following up.
1: When the prosecutor does come knocking, what is it that GCs need to be aware of? What are general counsels doing wrong when uh, the company, when the government comes knocking?
3: Well, I don't think you're doing anything wrong. It is um, probably no different than uh, you know uh, traffic stops or anything else. Um, you uh, sometimes you think you're doing the speed limit, you may get pulled over. Uh, you didn't see a yield sign, uh, you may be. Um, I don't think general counsel are necessarily doing anything wrong when a uh, when a prosecutor or an agent uh, knocks on their door. Uh, It it is just sort of the. The, the way things happen. Um, the question is, how do you react after they knock? I mean, once they knock, they're, they're there. Um, you can always sort of protest. No, we're a good company. We uh, follow the law. We know the rules. We uh, try to do all the right things. But w- once they're at your doorstep, the real question is, well, well, what do we do next? And I think at that point, I don't think any general counsel necessarily has to turn around and look and say, you know, how do we screw up? Um, You know, as I said, um, you know, the the information comes from a variety of places in a a variety of forms. That you're really not going to be able to protect against. It's just sort of the way, uh, you know, our our lives are. Uh, But the question that I think every general counsel has to be able to ask themselves, well, if they do come, do I know what I'm going to do?
1: What are those steps?
3: Well, I think one of the things to understand is uh, is, is when they knock, uh, first figure out what they want. If it is uh, to search the place and they've got a search warrant, there's really not much you can do. They have already gotten permission to come in. They've gotten that uh, via the Fourth Amendment. A judge has given them permission to go in, and they are going to search for the um, things that the search warrant allows them to do. Uh, sometimes they just want to, uh, to interview. They want to be able to come in. They want to be able to uh, talk to some employees. They want you to to set it up. Uh, your employees have to understand what their rights are. You have to know what their rights are. Um, if it is not an arrest situation, there is nothing in the Constitution that really compels anybody to do that. My advice has always been in, in those situations, make sure you contact a lawyer first. Uh, make sure that you understand uh, what it is they are looking at. Uh, make sure you understand your status. Sometimes uh, you know, it may be that they come to your company looking for witnesses for another crime or your company may be involved in some activities in which they are not the target of the investigation. You need to clear those things up. And the reason I say to involve a lawyer is it's just easier for an attorney who has been trained in this area, who understands constitutional rights, to be able to um, sit across from an armed FBI agent or a federal prosecutor and talk to them as equals and say, look, I understand what you're trying to do, but we're just not going to do that now. Uh, We will certainly cooperate but before we cooperate I want to make sure that my client gives information that is, in fact, accurate. Uh, a, I think it's easier for an attorney to say that than say, um, the, you know, even a general counsel who, who may have uh, his or her training in corporate law, who um, is looking at, uh, you know, usually FBI agents, uh, they're armed, they're intimidating, and they are sitting there thinking, you know, saying to you, we need to talk to you, we need to talk to your staff, we need to talk to it now, we don't want you getting in our way, we expect you to cooperate, and, you know, you're Response is really a, uh, 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 but you know, you you, you you kind of flub it. You don't know what to do, and your first thought is, well, they are the FBI. Let let's go through this. The, and um, uh, but you want somebody there on your side that's going to be able to put up a stop sign and uh, and see if this is in the best interest of the uh, the organization.
2: Roscoe, we live in a time uh, when uh, compliance has become somewhat of a buzzword, and it seems that the the thinking behind uh, compliance is that uh, if you have effective Compliance programs in place before an investigation, it's gonna it's gonna smooth the way. Uh, if in fact there is an investigation, uh, uh, is that so? In our companies, doing that?
3: No, oh, that's exactly right. If you've got an effective compliance program, that's part of being the good corporate citizen. We are doing the things that the government expects. We are doing things that even the court expects. Uh, um, in terms of keeping our company on the up and up you 're always not always but you're you, you will find rogue employees people who, despite the protections that you have up there, will do something they 're not supposed to um, and what you 're trying to do is demonstrate that the company itself is doing what they are supposed to do we 've got compliance programs we ha- we go to the seminars we keep up with the latest methods we uh, we train on a regular basis we make sure our employees know what is important. And um, and when you can say that to a prosecutor uh, who is conducting an investigation, they do take a different look at you. They do uh, uh, understand, okay, we may have a problem here, but it is not a tonal problem. It is not a problem with this company. If you will, it's not an Enron-type problem. So let's see where the problem is. If it's a rogue employee, let's find out who that is. You help us through that. But the fact that you have these and. In- in place uh, makes the government take a different look at you.
1: Sounds like the one thing that might be missing from some of those general counsel's uh, compliance program is adding that criminal-slash-civil lawyer litigator to the speed dial of that GC's phone.
3: Well, it's good to, that, that's a, a great point. It's, it's good to know who those people are. As a matter of fact, part of the advice I give is that you have not only one criminal lawyer, but a, a number of criminal lawyers. Remember that um, companies only act through the individuals, and as a result, it is the individuals who have the liability as much as the company does. Um, sometimes their liability is um, parallel to the company. Sometimes it's in uh, direct contradiction to the companies, one way or the other, what you want is um, uh, is, a, is an army, if you will, of people that you have, you know. Um, I would even suggest that you interview people now so that you um, understand what lawyers that you, you'd want to call, which ones that you'd want to trust, so that if you have individual employees, you've got directors, you've got staff, uh, you've got um, uh, other members of management who may need an attorney, that there's somebody you can call that can be down there at the drop of a to sit next to that person, uh, not representing the company, but representing the individual. And it's a lot easier to figure out who those people are now in the, you know, calm of an afternoon uh, than it is, you know, while, while, you know, any federal agency is running roughshod through your, uh, you know, through your company, you know, possibly making arrests, uh, possibly seizing uh, materials, pop- you know, possibly taking documents.
1: And it's rare that the strike teams show up with just one or two people, which is why you almost need your own army.
3: Well, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, the uh, especially search warrants. Uh, search warrants are meant as almost a show of force. It's rare that they're going to call and say, we're on our way down. Could you... Um get everything ready for us. We'll be there in a minute. Uh, usually they show up uh, unannounced. Uh, they will come in, usually with corporations. They'll knock first, that is the law. They will uh, um, let you know what they are there for. The Constitution requires them to give you a copy of the of the warrant. And, uh, and they want to get things done quickly, and so they come in with an army of people. Uh, some have different tasks. Uh, some are to just make sure that everything in the uh, the warrant is is uh, looked for. Uh, some people are down there too, talk to individuals, although it's a search warrant. But they do come down with an army. And frankly, if you're not used to this, it's it's difficult to turn around and and say to, you know it's, it's like staring down a cop, you know, trying to. To, you know, talk back to a police officer saying, you know, exactly why are you pulling my son over? Doesn't always, <laughs> you know, it doesn't always sit well with most people. And I think you know, when people are coming in uh, uh, in a search and the uh, officers are uh, asserting authority in a uh, uh, you know, in a, in a fairly uh, impressive and intimidating way, it's it's really hard to, uh, to, to make the argument that uh, either that they shouldn't be there or the things that you don't want them to do. It's a lot easier for somebody who's been through the criminal system to do it. And uh, Uh, now is uh, a perfect time to figure out who those individuals are.
1: It almost sounds like you'd want to have a a drill ahead of time to see how well the company responds in a circumstance like that.
3: Well, that's exactly right. I mean, it it is. uh, I tell people that it's a lot like a fire drill. You hope you don't go through one, but you might as well be prepared in case you do. Um, The employees have to know what their rights are. You know, when an officer comes in, you do not have to talk to an officer. He's going to want to. She's going to want to pull you aside and get information. It's the perfect time for them. They catch you off guard. You have a a tendency to talk more than you ordinarily uh, would if you are caught off guard. But employees need to understand these are your rights. You have a you know you you do not have to speak to anybody and um and as a matter of fact, one of the things I advise uh general counsel is if there is a uh, a search warrant and officers are on premises, you should take all non essential personnel those who are not going to help um, gather documents uh and send them off site just uh, tell them to go home. Uh, because officers do try to, you know, talk to people. They want to talk to them um, uh, in an informal basis, hoping they get information that they uh, may not otherwise get. Uh, now, I mean, there, there's certainly case law about, you know, whether officers can keep people there or not keep people there. But um, but the fact of the matter is that what they, what search warrants allow you to do is go in and take documents. Unless the, the search warrant is actually a search for a person, which is uh, a search warrant slash, Arrest warrant. You should be able to tell any individual to go home, and it's nice to have a drill. When somebody comes through the door, you get your people together and say those people who are non-essential that aren't needed for uh, in order to give access to computers, give access to documents, or whatever, you go home unless they have a sp- specific request. Then, when I say they, the uh, the um, the officers and agents and and ex- and are able to explain in a constitutional term uh, uh, what that request is for. For an individual
2: Roscoe you're uh, I don't want to put you on on the spot here but but you're a, a former US attorney you're yes. obviously uh, based on your experience and background somebody with uh, a lot of context and a lot of knowledge in this field and something I've I've heard uh, some some GC comment in the past in, in talking about this topic is that for for them in looking for an outside lawyer to help with a government investigation, it's is not always what they know as much as who they know, uh, and and I'm wondering, I, I guess, uh, how, is that a is that a truism? I mean, to what extent? What 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 should an in-house counsel be looking for in an outside counsel when when there's a government investigation?
3: Well, I think a lot of it is um, uh, first and foremost probably comfort. It's got to be somebody that you trust, not necessarily anybody that you know, but it's a it's a lot like any situation with an individual. Do you sit down? Do you have a feeling that they are... are giving you good advice do you do you trust them I mean there are lots of people with lots of uh, lots of experience a lot of times the experience is just bad uh, sometimes the experience is good but um, uh, you know I've always said that you'll look at a resume and somebody says well he's been at it a, a long time and I said well sometimes what that means is they've been screwing up for a long time uh, you can I mean general counsel are in those position for for a reason you sit down you evaluate who the person is you sit across from them if you don't like the advice if there's if it's somebody you're just uncomfortable with, um, uh, you know, I'd walk away and and look for somebody else. Certainly, you want to look to see, you know, what they have done. I don't think that it's a situation where you're really looking for somebody who's been uh, one year out of law school. Uh, That might be as smart and as comfortable as you are. That might be a little um, too little experience. Um, and, And keep in mind, it's nice to be able to say this is who you know. But uh, the fact of the matter is, especially on the federal side, the administrations change uh, at at a minimum every eight years, if not every four years. And uh, certainly at the levels that we're talking about, the um, the United States attorneys who would be ordinarily conducting those investigations and the people under them they probably change um, as frequently, if not more. And so uh, you may have good contacts one year and not necessarily good contacts the next. I'm not sure that being able to you know, say that I, I know the U.S. attorney in a certain district is necessarily a good thing. But I think that you want somebody who is in a position that if you don't know a United States attorney or an assistant in a certain uh, district, they're able to take a look at your background and say, okay, there is a reason I should be listening to this person. It might be because of uh, their experience. Uh, it might be because of um, uh, you know uh, of other things in their background. Uh, but I think first and foremost, it really is just trust do you Do you trust the person? Do you think that this person is giving you good advice i you know i don 't know that any general counsel necessarily is going to be uh, so steeped in the fourth, fifth, and sixth amendment that you can make that kind of evaluation but I think a lot of times you can sit across from some person, and, and you know when there's you know, somebody that, uh, well, if I'm going to go down, I'm not going to go down with this guy. But, you know, you might, the next woman through the door, you go, but her, her, I can, you know, this is somebody I, I trust when I, when I listen to her. Uh, yes, let me put her on, her on the list. And you can check references. You can talk to people.
1: Cooperating with the government. Uh, as they come through an investigation is sometimes a double-edged sword. I think you mentioned in your speech that you can sometimes befriend investigators and stay in touch with them and gain gain information on their side of the case.
3: Oh, that's absolutely right. Um, You want to stay in touch with the investigators. Uh, One, you want them to get to know you. You want them to get to know your client because they are taking kind of a um, a real rough sketch of your client. They're going to know what they've heard, the things that sent them in the door the first time, uh, and they are going to hear from other people what the client is all about. To some extent, you've got to be an advocate for your client and on a regular basis be in touch with the investigators, the prosecutors, the FBI, so they understand these are the things that my guy is doing. You want to hear that from them. But you know, keep in mind, you walk into these situations with almost no leverage. The Government has the grand juries that can compel information. The government uh, is the person who has somebody whispering in the ear, "This is what this person is doing or that person is doing." Uh, On the other hand, as uh, in-house counsel, you've got information, but you really haven't gathered it. You don't know what. uh, A lot of times, you don't know what it is that is pushing the government. What has brought them to your door? What keeps this thing going? Or why is it that you can give them information and they won't go away? But as you talk to them and they become uh, a little more trusting of you, Uh, They get used to you. They start to understand uh, how you operate. Uh, A lot of times the information starts flowing back the other way, and with information comes your power. Um, Without the information, I'm not going to say you're powerless. I mean, you can gather that. That's what internal investigations are about. But you need to know what it is the government is thinking. Uh, They have all the cards. They're the ones who can return indictments. They're the ones who can arrest. And, uh, And so what you're trying to do is learn from them if there are things that they need. Are there uh, other people that they're looking at? Are there other companies that they're looking at? Something that maybe you can help yourself with. Um, or, you know, and sometimes they're just wrong. I mean, they are wrong on the law. They may be wrong on the facts. Uh, and those are the sort of things that you can pick up with uh, continued um, discussions. But my advice is to continue those discussions, to keep in touch with them. Um, I think, you know, the tendency for a lot of prose- uh, prosecutors, a lot of um, attorneys, I mean, you know, Trying to be as tough as prosecutors are is to sort of say, "Well, you be a tough guy. I'm going to be a tough guy." You start uh, putting up walls and start talking about going to trial. I think that's a mistake. Um, you know, there's no reason that you can't be a, a tough person when need when you need to be. But I think initially, uh, my advice is talk to. Them. Make sure you understand uh, uh, what it is they are looking for. Make sure you understand what their concerns are, and uh, and hopefully, you know that's the, the one avenue that you uh, you may come to some uh, disposition that is
0: helpful to your clients short of a trial. Well,
1: we'll continue this discussion in just a few moments after this break.
0: We invite you to visit Law.com for timely legal news and in-depth resources. From daily headlines to practice-specific updates, Law.com provides up-to-date information to those working in the legal profession. As part of its coverage, Law.com is proud that J. Craig Williams' blog, May It Please the Court, and Robert Ambrogi's blog, Law Sites, are part of its blog network. Don't wait any longer. Visit Law.com today and get free subscriptions of our Newswire newsletter with the top legal stories of the day. Or sign up for a free trial subscription to one of our practice center sections. If you found us in the podcast library of iTunes, thanks for listening. Check out some of our other shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com and become a member. It's free. Lawyer to Lawyer is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email.
3: If you have a comment or question we want to hear from you, leave us a message on the Legal Talk Network listener line at 781-634-8959. We really do listen to the messages and even answer your questions on our next show.
0: Did you know that Legal Talk Network podcasts are also available as CLE? Visit Law.com's CLE Center at www.clecenter.com. That's clecenter.com to enjoy listening and get CLE credit. Check out our Lawyer to Lawyer host blogs, Jake Craig Williams' blog at mayitpleasethecourt.com, Likewise, Robert Ambroji's blog at LegalLine.com for daily legal observations, perspective, and of course, a healthy dose of humor and wit. A video settlement documentary can be the most powerful and persuasive way to bring about a speedy settlement in your client's case. That's 800-317-5221. Or check out our website at bostonmediagroup.com.
1: Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams. And this is Bob Ambrogi,
2: and we're talking to our guest, uh, Attorney Roscoe C. Howard, Jr. on the topic of corporate compliance and corporate investigations and, uh, Roscoe, I wonder if I could come back for a second to this compliance question and, and ask whether uh, calling uh, outside counsel after, after the government has come knocking on the door is, is sometimes too late. In, in other words, should, should outside counsel be brought in to consult on uh, the efficacy or thoroughness of a company's compliance programs uh, before there's trouble?
3: Well, I think it's. I, I think it's an excellent idea to bring somebody in before there's trouble. Uh, I, I kind of um, liken it to uh, having somebody, you, you know, you, you being asked about your family or your children, you're always going to say something uh, favorable about them. Uh, when you ask somebody, any company, about their uh, compliance program, they're going to say, hey, I designed it, it's good. You really want somebody who is not invested in the company to come in, take a, a look uh, um, point out any flaws that you have, uh, who will not feel defensive about uh, criticizing it, uh, will not feel uh, that they cannot uh, make suggestions. You want somebody with a fresh set of eyes uh, to take a look. That is uh, probably, in terms of evaluating your uh, compliance program, uh, that to me that is the, the best time to do it and the right way to do it.
1: What do you think the number one mistake that uh, companies make during the period that they're under investigation and pending indictment?
3: Oh, I don't know. I mean, the, the mistakes uh, vary. Um, I think that uh, probably the first mistake uh, I think they make is to uh, think that uh, everything that they either gather or uh, everything that they uh, put together in terms of an internal investigation has to be turned over. Um, you know, clearly things that are called for in any subpoena, Clearly, anything's called for in a search warrant uh, should be turned over. But a lot of things are attorney-client privilege. Internal investigations uh, come to mind. And certainly in this day and age where the government is expecting an internal investigation, the first question out of their mouth is, have you done it? And the second is, can we have it? And I don't know that the second is necessarily a question. The second one usually is a demand. Um, I'm not saying don't turn them over, but uh, you would. I think a company needs to be able to decide whether they're going to turn over something like an internal investigation. And remember, this is something that will probably look under rugs that the government hasn't thought about, expose you know, all kinds of um, flaws and blemishes that um, that you'd rather not have out there. But before they do that, I think uh, the the company has to think in terms of uh, holding on to that until they, uh, they have a, a full discussion with their management, with the board of directors, and with uh, whomever has done the internal investigation on whether this is something that uh, you want in the government's hands. Now, most of the time, my, my guess is that most companies will decide, yes, this should uh, be turned over. But I think the mistake is doing it at a very early stage uh, because of government pressure and because you want to seem cooperative without being able to to sit back and make what I think is a um, uh, an informed decision on whether uh, something like an internal investigation should be uh, should be given up.
1: What can you do to deal with the inevitable consequences of a civil securities action by investors? after a criminal investigation?
3: Well, um, the investors uh, ordinarily do follow with a suit. Um, I think w- um, one of the things is to protect that information that is privileged, to make sure that it's not out there just to be fodder for a, uh, a civil suit that, um, uh, that may follow, to make sure that uh, statements that are made by employees, management, anything that could essentially stick to the uh, company are done uh, with the advice of counsel, so that uh, they understand the consequences, uh, not only for the individual but uh, 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 but for the company. And in um, what you're trying to do in all instances is build that record so, uh, for the um, second, third, or fourth wave that uh, uh, that come after that. But that is always a concern. Um, investors always want to be made whole. Uh, they you know they want to uh, make their investment on a no-loss uh, sort of situation, and they look at the company as the insurer. And I think that it, it, it um, really matters that a company work on making sure that whatever the true and accurate story is, is the one that gets to the federal government and, and thus the one that would uh, ultimately fall in the hands of uh, potential investor uh, uh, lawsuits.
2: Uh, what is the mood uh what are you finding is the mood among general counsel these days i mean there was a, a panic uh, in recent years over over the potential of uh, government investigation and and uh, people started seeing uh 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 uh, you know, uh, former uh, New York AG Elliot Spitzer, uh, the the shadow coming in in their door uh, every which way. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what what is the mood now among among general counsel on this issue?
3: Well, I was wondering if the general counsel uh, you know contributed to uh, Mr. Spitzer's um, election campaign to get him out of that office. <laughs> but uh, of the AG's uh, you know, I, I think now the uh, general counsel, um, the the ones that are in office and the ones that are coming in office, better understand the climate. They understand, uh, and Sarbanes Oxley has now been with us for a while. Uh, the um, it is a climate of uh, disclosure. Um, it- people really understand that it's important uh, to set the tone at the top, be it with the general counsel or the CEOs, that they understand that uh, you know we will be a transparent company, we will do things that are right, uh, and, um, and we want to make sure that if someone comes in, that the fate of Arthur Anderson or Enron uh, doesn't become ours. Uh, so we will start that now by hiring the right people. When people screw up, fire them. Uh, let folks know that are you know that are sitting on the, um, the the plant floors or in our offices that there are consequences for not following the law and encourage those who want to blow the whistle to blow the whistle um, that um, that but they can blow the whistle in the office, and they will understand that there are going to be consequences. I, I think that you know, they have gotten used to it. They understand that um, there has been a sea change from um, you know, 20 years ago, uh, that, uh, that things are different. They are used to it, and they are preparing better for it.
1: Well, we've reached that portion of our program where it's time to wrap up and get your final thoughts about the topic we've been discussing and also to get your contact information so that our listeners can get in touch with you should they be in a panic and someone comes knocking at the door.
3: I think uh, my, my final thought is that if you are a, an in-house general counsel, uh, prepare now. Uh, now is the time to start training your employees. Now is the time to take a look at your uh, compliance programs and to keep looking at them. It is not a, a program that once you do it, you sit it on the shelf and it will work forever. You need to keep pulling it down. You need to test it. Walk around your plant floor. Walk around your company and let people know that this is important. This is the way our company is going to do business. Uh, anybody who wants to contact me, I'm at Troutman Sanders. Uh, My email address is Roscoe, R-O-S-C-O-E Howard, H-O-W-A-R-D, at Troutman, T-R-O-U-T-M-A-N, Sanders, S-A-N-D-E-R-S dot com, 202-274-2960.
2: Well, Roscoe, plenty of good advice today. We really appreciate your being on our program. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks a lot. It's been a
3: real pleasure being on. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Roscoe. Okay. And, Craig, I hope all is well with you. I hope your, your practice remains hot, but not your house.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Thank you, Bob.
0: Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with Robert Ambrogi and Jake Craig Williams. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. Lawyer to Lawyer has been sponsored by Law.com.